Next, the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show with Snowden Bishop. After this message. Are you getting enough CBD each day? Hemp Meds carries the most trusted CBD oil brands like Real Scientific Hemp Oil and Dixie Botanicals to make it easy to add cannabinoids like CBD to your diet. We hold all our hemp oil products to our rigorous triple lab tested standard to ensure that you and your family receive only the highest quality and most reliable CBD products. Hemp Meds is your trusted source for CBD. Visit hempmeds.com to get our premium CBD oil today. Use discount code CBD20 to get 20% off your first order. You're busy running around from work to kids to evening events. Healthcare shouldn't be adding to your daily running around. Simplify your healthcare with Helterra for only $15 per month per individual or $18 per month per family with up to nine kids. By the way, you can eliminate doctor office visits with 24/7 access to doctors via phone, video, or the mobile app. Not only do you get prescriptions filled over the phone, but save up to 85% on those prescriptions. This is a supplemental plan and not insurance. Healthcare made easy. Helterra.com. And now, broadcasting on StarWorldWideNetworks.com, it's time for the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show with Snowden Bishop. Listen in as Snowden interviews cannabis industry pioneers, marijuana experts, policymakers, medical practitioners, patients, and other amazing individuals with compelling stories to share. It all happens right now. Here's the Cannabis Reporter, Snowden Bishop. Hi, and welcome back to the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Snowden Bishop and delighted to be here. Usually when a governor declares a state of emergency in his or her state, it's because of some cataclysmic event that occurred, such as a tornado, earthquake, or a flood. So it might have come as a surprise to hear Nevada's governor, Brian Sandoval, declare a state of emergency because Sin City was about to run out of Drum roll, please. Marijuana. Yes, you heard that right. Nevada became the fifth state in the nation to legalize marijuana for adult use as of the 2016 election. Already one of the most popular tourist destinations in the country, Las Vegas, otherwise known as Sin City, had become famous as an escape from reality playground for adults with tantalizing entertainment, new star-studded theatrical events, and world-class casinos opening every year. Of course, the most highly anticipated opening in Nevada's history was the opening of 47 new dispensaries, most of which are in and around Las Vegas. The event caused a flood of tourism with record-breaking bookings for the week of July 1st. And it's worth noting that this happened during one of the hottest months of the year when travel to any Southwestern destination is typically slower than usual. But despite the anticipation, less than a week after the dispensaries opened their doors for recreational users, business owners were already reporting that they had run out of product to sell. It seems that the state had no idea just how popular legal marijuana would be, and they just weren't prepared for the flash flood of consumers that converged on Las Vegas the first week out. So how could that happen? Well. There's a simple explanation having to do with the state's limitations on licensing of dispensaries, growers, and distributors. Not only is the license application pro process cumbersome and time-consuming, the number of licenses are limited and extremely hard to come by. How hard is something our guest today knows a lot about, and I'm excited to introduce Priscilla Vilches. She became the first and only minority female CEO to receive two tough-to-get cultivation and production licenses in Nevada under the state's medical marijuana law. And she's also about to get a dispensary license under the state's adult use marijuana program. And that will be in Las Vegas. With a background in pharmaceuticals and marketing, uh, in the medical field, Priscilla has worked with doctors, physical therapists, chiropractors, and other practitioners. Welcome. I am so glad that you could join us today, Priscilla. Thank you very much for having me. I'm very proud to be on. Ah, well, you should be very proud of yourself, honestly. I, I think that's quite an accomplishment for any person to receive two licenses in a single state, given the limitations on how many licenses are, are given out each year. 
um, being the, the first minority woman to do so is quite an accomplishment. Tell me about some of the challenges that you faced early on in, in getting those licenses. Well, I can't say it was easy. It was very difficult. Uh, the, the people, my competitors who all applied in the state of Nevada were uh, very reputable people. We had ex-politicians, millionaires, and billionaires. So the competition was extremely difficult. Uh, but we managed to prevail and, and acquire two of those licenses. Uh, in doing this, some of the some of the things we had to prepare for were the application in itself. It was the size of like the encyclopedia. I can imagine. Um, it was a very intense, and you can only imagine. I applied three for three licenses and managed to get two out of the three. <laughs> so we sent in about three encyclopedias just for this process. The cost that and you know uh, was involved in, in obtaining these licenses were anywhere from, let's say, a quarter of a million per application, not knowing if you were going to even get it. Wow. Uh, we had to tie down properties. There were people in the industry, land uh, landlords who were increasing the value uh, times five of what it normally is because of these uh, applications. So uh, it was very difficult. It was a long process. We had a great team. And uh, we managed to prevail. So we're very happy about that. You know, that's something that I hadn't really thought of, but I imagine um, it's, it's a problem in a lot of places where they open the doors for um, land use, you know, or, or buildings, people to acquire buildings where, where grow houses are allowed. So I, I, this, you're the first person who's actually told me this, but it, I can see how that would be the case. I mean... Was it was it sort of like price gouging? Do you think or? Oh, absolutely! I'll give you an example. This city, they they released a zoning. Uh, so once you have that zoning in a place, you know exactly where you have to uh, a building. So all those landlords, all the realtors, go into these existing off you know industrial buildings, and make an offer or open escrow so that when you have a applicant come to try and tie down the location, um, it's worth three times the value. So it, it, it's, it's very difficult. These are all things that you have to accept because this industry is so new. Um, so Well, and we, so competitive. It know. is. Yeah, and, and so what would have happened had you not been granted the licenses? Would you have been out like the money, the good faith money for escrow and that sort of thing? Absolutely. I would have, uh, I knew in applying that this was uh, a gamble. And it was a gamble that I was going to have to make on myself and my team. And I was very confident. And that's why I moved forward and uh, applied for three even though we only got two, I think we did pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I'll say, I'll say. And I mean, was it was it money well spent? Do you think now that you've been? Because when was that? When when did you get your licenses originally? Two thousand fourteen, and yeah. the process I would say started six seven months prior to the to the deadline. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, what is it? Is, I just have to ask, is it worth it? Was it worth it to you? And Absolutely. I've never looked back, and we're excited for the future. Uh, we have since then looked to expand into California. I have great news to share with you on the air today. But I was uh, granted the same licenses I obtained in Nevada for cultivation and production in Los Angeles yesterday wow. at 5 p.m., Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you very much. And uh, I'm actually very proud of the fact that I was the only woman really? who even applied in the pool of applicants, uh, nonetheless youngest and minority. So we are very excited, and uh, everyone seems to be uh, rooting for us. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's fantastic. So, um, how many how many new licenses for? And this is for cultivation, or is it for both cultivation and uh, dispensing 
also? It, it's uh, it's two licenses, and they're both separate. So it's for cultivation, which is the grow, and production, which is the license that allows you to make all the edibles, the tinctures, the vape pens, the gummies, uh, lubricants, uh, massage oils, you name it, everything. Wow. That is fantastic. And so... So will you be um, doing an indoor cultivation, obviously, if it's in Los Angeles? Um, is it in the, will, it, will the business be in Los Angeles uh, County proper? Or? Yes, uh, this is why it made big news. This is the first, the first licenses that L.A. County has given uh, for cultivation and production. Wow. That's great. And in the recreational space, too, since they were among the states that actually legalized adult use this year. Yes. So uh, we're pretty excited. And uh, if everything goes according to plans as far as scheduling, uh, we should be operational before uh, January 1st and in time for recreational. That is fantastic. <laughs> and so in, in Nevada then, where, where are your businesses in Nevada then, the two licenses that you got? Were those for separate um, categories or were they both for the same category for cultivation? They were, uh, I, I obtained two just the way I, I did yesterday here in California. Uh, so it's for cultivation and production. They're both indoor and they're in unincorporated Clark County. So it is a very desired location because it's five minutes from uh, the airport and five minutes from the Strip. Right. So it's an ideal location. Tell me a little bit about what happened. So being a cultivator in Nevada, when the governor declared a state of emergency, um, what's your experience about that? I mean, the distribution also has to have licensing, um, from what I understand, and it seems that for the recreational side of things, uh, that's where the holdup was when the dispensaries were actually running out of product. Do you well, I, I agree, and I think that um, it was good uh, it was good to hear, you know, the, the governor say this because everyone, it drew a lot more attention to the state of Nevada. But what I want to point out is that uh, this is early recreational. In actuality, it's supposed to be launched January 1st of 2018. So you have all these cultivators who have prepared their timing and their crops and they're building out, you know, big facilities like myself. My facility is about 25,000 square feet. And I know that by November, we're going to be full operational in all of my buildings. So when they say you're running out of crop, the state of Nevada allowed early recreational use, you know, for six months. But I, without a doubt, feel that the state of Nevada will be able to uh, facilitate this high demand. So I'm not concerned at all. Yeah. So, so really, this was just because people weren't really prepared yet. They were anticipating right. and the state a January. Of Nevada, yes. Yeah. Correct. Interesting, but it it was just kind of funny news if you think about it. You know, state but of we emergency. Loved it. it was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but it just goes to show you how in demand cannabis is, and you know, for a tourist destination like Las Vegas, especially. Um, you know, it's, it, it seems like it's a no-brainer whose time has come, really. Absolutely. We've got, what is it, 42, 50 million tourists a year. Nonetheless, Nevada was the first state to be able to accept every other state's medical cards. So you don't have to have these tourists go into a doctor's office to acquire this medical card. Nevada was the first state to be able to utilize everyone's state cards. So just these key factors alone um, speaks for itself. That's why they're calling Nevada the new Disneyland for adults. I refer to it as the new Amsterdam. <laughs> right. I, I refer to it as the playground for adults. <laughs> oh, I like that one too. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it, it seems like there will be a lot of um, lessons for other states, particularly other states that do cater to tourists and that sort of thing as, as you know, more, I mean, what, there are 28 states plus Washington, D.C. that have medical use, and now only um, 
you know, less than half of those with, with adult use. It'll be really interesting to see, uh, see how this, this pans out for the other states, because I know I live in Arizona, we're, we're recording from Arizona here today, and, um, you know, we failed to pass the adult use law. And it, it was quite surprising because there's huge support for it, it seems, in the state. Oh, yeah. I remember watching the election and seeing all of the states light up that went recreation. I was very taken back with Arizona not being one of them. Um, but, it, I mean, it goes to show maybe the people in actuality wanted to keep it, you know, for medical use. You know, what's to say that in time they don't change their mind? But when I got into the industry, um, I I got into it because of the uh, medical portion of it. Right. So I, I can completely understand, you know, some people looking at it that way. Um, at the end of the day, it's here to stay, and everyone has to have an open mind about it. Maybe it's just that they haven't been properly educated as far as all the good that it can do. Yeah. Well, you know, also it doesn't help that we have some pretty powerful anti- marijuana lobbies here in the state who, by the way, are also trying to, you know, overturn the state medical marijuana um, program that we have here, which is, you know, and, oh, wow. and then there are, there are others who are trying to expand it. And really, the state legislature surprisingly passed a hemp, uh, a hemp regulation so that, this, so that it could be grown legally here in the state, and the governor vetoed it, which you know, left a lot of us just scratching our heads because, of course, hemp, you know, it, it, there's absolutely no reason in this day and age why hemp should be illegal anywhere. Right. You know, for, <laughs> there's just well, no reason. Well, we can't win them all. <laughs> all we have to do is, like I said, the industry is so new that it's, you know, people are going to learn every day. Yeah, of course. So I want to go back to, you know, this this challenge of people trying to get into the industry. Um, you know, it, it seems like deep pockets are a must, or at least, you know, some kind of underwriting. Um, but aside from that, walk me through, like, when you decided to get into this, um, what were some of the steps that you went through? Uh, well, steps as far as, uh, preparing yourself to apply or? Well, just the general rundown. I mean, you know, if, if someone said uh, to you, I'd like to get into this business, what's, what's your first piece of advice? You have to be very open-minded. You must have a lot of patience. Uh, sometimes things are not as definite as people would like. And you must be very, you must, operate in a very highly regulated manner. Uh, that's why I think it was perfect for me to kind of transition into this field because of my background. I, I, my background stemmed from healthcare, and that's extremely highly regulated. So I would recommend that everyone think it very, very strongly prior to uh, taking a leap of faith because it is very costly. And you have to be very open-minded. Just like you said in Arizona, the governor there's trying to veto a bill on hemp. That you know, doesn't make sense, but this is the case at times. Right. I was reading, um, you had done an interview with the LA Weekly recently um, commenting on, on Jeff Sessions. And <laughs> I just stumbled upon that article actually just a couple of days ago and I saw your name and I went, oh. <laughs> but... Uh, it's, yeah, so you're not only fighting, um, you know, whoever's against this movement within the states that are legal or um, at least for medical use, but also the federal government now. It seems, you know, just, I, I doubt very seriously that they're really going to be able to undermine state regulation um, too much just because the outcry would be so enormous. Right. Right, and we have to also be careful with what we read, but my understanding of what I've read is this. Um, Jeff Sessions is obviously, uh, you know, not a big fan of marijuana, which is, you know, okay, a lot of people uh, feel the same way, but 
what I've read is that he is for the medical use. It's not going to go anywhere. And the only thing that he has a difficult time digesting that he would love to change is the recreational. And he's made comments that, you know, have gotten headlines everywhere that people are, are discussing as far as, you know, marijuana being sold at you know, near every grocery store. You know, obviously we all know that's not the case or near a school there's regulation. So, you know, comments like these can be taken and, and uh, just kind of stretched to, to the limit. But um, I, I don't see a problem at all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, one would hope anyway. Um, and especially, you know, with with some moves, um, like in January, uh, or actually it was in the December uh, Federal Registry, the announcement that they were giving a numerical class in within Schedule 1 for CBD, which, you know, was a bit crazy for those of us who really understand what that means. Um, but it... I, I see that this is just going to keep snowballing because the popularity of, um, at least for medical anyway, it, it seems like it's just a matter of time, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. I, I agree with you. I think that um, we have to remember the days when everyone was uh, frowned upon, you know, alcohol and tobacco, and everyone thought it was just the worst thing in the world, and here we are today. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's what we have to focus on and remember the bigger picture. Right. And especially, you know, how many people are being helped and the science is is just exploding on this now. And, you know, there's absolutely no denying that that the basis for being in schedule one is completely, you know, ridiculous. <laughs> Honestly. I agree. Yeah. So um, anyway, but we kind of got off of what I was um, trying to get at. Like, aside from from the patients and you know really being prepared to work within a tightly regulated um, segment of industry, what else should people expect if they wanted to sort of follow in your footsteps? Uh, well. You made a comment about having deep pockets. It's so funny. Um, I I agree. It's not something that is, uh, you know, reasonable, uh, especially if you want to be a, uh, a a very good applicant. There are many things that you have to do that require uh, capital. So capital is, is very uh, critical in applying for licenses like this. Having the right team, your background, and um, expressing to the city or the state that you wish to to follow and acquire licenses and explaining to them what difference it is that you will be able to make for them. How many jobs will you be able to bring to people like this? Um, at that point, you have to really uh, kind of show everyone why you deserve this special license and what good you're going to do. So it depends on the individual. Yeah. And you had worked in pharmaceuticals in addition to uh, working for health practitioners. Is that correct? Right. So what I did is I worked throughout Southern California with multi-specialty physicians. And what I did was help manage their practice. I mean, A through Z, whether it meant helping assist them with uh, the proper billing, reimbursement rates with uh, insurance companies, um, or if it meant making sure that they utilize the proper systems uh, to be able to facilitate every patient. So pharmaceuticals, laboratory, um, every multi-specialty kind of fell under that umbrella. So yes, I, I'm very much familiar with all of healthcare, not just one in particular. Right, and from the peers in that particular industry um, these days, or when when you started getting into this business. Um, was there much consternation? I mean, not, 2014 was probably, um, I mean, it, had it been a little bit earlier, I would have expected that. But how were people when you told them what you were going to be doing? Oh, wow. So I started doing my research in 2013. I applied for the license in Nevada in 2014. But 
um, again, coming from such a highly regulated industry, it was frowned upon. People asked if I knew what I was doing, and I stood you know, loud and proud and said, absolutely. I hired the best lawyer, who is a regulatory lawyer, who is now counsel and also a partner in my operation. And uh, we did everything uh, possible uh, to be able to do it in the most successful regulatory way. And, um, and we were very successful. So it, it, it's, it's a process. Um, it takes a lot of uh, convincing. I remember from another note, when I sat with my mother and my father, my little sisters, siblings, to tell them what I was about to do. I think that was the most difficult thing I've ever done, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, explaining to your parents who have grown up, uh, you know, thinking what we are reading, how bad marijuana is. So I sat with them and I sat with my grandparents and kind of explained to them that, uh, you know, marijuana is, is not evil. It's helping many people out there and they all have to be open-minded. And they, I gave them examples. I showed them videos of children being saved and parents crying because they're able to get to know their their kids. Uh, they stop with their seizures. So, if I believe if people are educated, there's a different tone to everyone. Yeah. And that's exactly what I did. I, I sat with everyone who had maybe a slight problem or, or worried that I was going to be making a big mistake by trying to get into this industry and spoke to them in a very genuine way and gave them facts. And at the end of the day, a person who understands, you know, the good has no, has no other choice than to agree with you because you see the children that it's helping elderly yeah. everyone. Yeah. It, and it's sort of an irony, too. I've talked about this before on this show, that um, the people who seem to object the most to um, regulation and even me medical marijuana um, are often those who need it the most. And, you know, people who grew up in, right after the whole reefer madness thing and, and that stigma was well-developed in their prime of life. And right. And it's interesting because cannabis could be so helpful to elderly people suffering from Parkinson's or Alzheimer's or, you know, even osteoporosis and, and different everything. Yeah. everything. I mean, it really is such a phenomenal. And a lot of those um, diseases that happen later in life, we're finding, too, are um, one thing that they all have in common is a deficiency of the endocannabinoid system, which we've also talked about a lot on this show, but it's, it's pretty interesting. And I know that um, for me, when I started explaining to people that I was actually going to open a publication on this topic, I, a lot of people looked at me sideways like, what are you, crazy? And um, so, yeah, there, and the stigma really still exists. Absolutely. But just not uh, just not as, as prevalent as it was before. I think it's getting better, you know, and people are starting to... But, I mean, that's why we're here. That's why we're talking today, you know, to try that's to... That's right. Um, normalize... Hoping a lot of people hear us and, and they become believers. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's normalizing the conversation. And, and, you know, hopefully people realize that there's... If, if they need it um, for any medical condition that they might have, you know, I hope that um, they begin to really understand there's absolutely no shame in this. And so... That's right. So here we are. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about... I mean, because certainly there's no shame in it. And, I mean, how many people do you employ now? Well, in Nevada, we're probably going to have uh, 25 to 30. It grows, uh, you know, as you expand. In California, I believe we we're looking at 18 people, but you know, with this industry, nothing is ever uh, definitive, and things change rapidly. Right, right. And then um, you said it's like 25,000 square feet in California that you're opening up, or is that how many? My my Nevada facility is 25,000 square feet. I purchased the building 
at 15,000 square feet and expanded to 25,000 square feet. Wow. The building that I acquired in Linwood is 11,000 square feet, and we're probably going to expand an additional 6,000. That is, that's big. <laughs> it's big, and the electricity bill is pretty high. <laughs> oh, I can imagine. Yeah, that's yeah. something that a lot of people don't even really think about much. Um, you think about a, a grow, um, indoor agriculture, it's so energy consumptive. Oh, yeah. And if you have states that are like the state of Nevada, um, they would obligate you to use their one source of energy, which is Nevada energy, and not allow you to use solar panels so that you can obviously, uh, you know, increase uh, the state of Nevada's revenue. So you've got a lot of things like this people don't think of, but it's very costly. <laughs> Wow. So you are or you're not allowed to use sol solar panels? You're not in the state of Nevada. You have to go through one energy source. That is Nevada Energy. Um, I know that for my building, because I purchased it at a uh, 15,000 square foot facility and I wanted to expand, I was going to need a lot more electricity. So I went through their number one Nevada uh, energy source. And uh, $600,000 later, breaking the concrete road and bringing all that energy into the building, you can now facilitate a building uh, that's 25,000 square feet. So these are all things that people uh, don't ever think about. I'm still stuck on the fact that they won't allow you to have solar panels. I mean, uh, yeah. it just... Okay. Now, the state of Nevada, um, I actually... I know it's costly, but I I enjoy the fact that they're so you know regulated and careful about things like this because at the end of the day, it's not for just anybody. Our facility in Nevada reminds us of let's say even a hospital. That's how it appears to outside people when they come in and, and see it for the first time. Uh, we were if because I went two stories on my building, I even had to put in an elevator shaft and a handicap rail. <laughs> wow. Ramp. I mean, it's very technical. Yeah, I can imagine. But, you know, it, and I guess you can't begrudge the state for wanting to make some money off of this. I mean, exactly. It, it, the, and, and the more money the state makes, the better it is for the entire industry as well. Right. Wow. Right. Yeah, I, I didn't even think about that. So, yeah, it would have to be um, ADA compliant. Mm -hmm. across the board because, you know, obviously it has to be accessible to any employee. Oh, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, those are things people don't really think about. So I guess if there's anybody listening thinking, oh, I'd like to go do this, <laughs> think twice. No, think twice. Yeah. But that's what I said when we first started and you asked that question. What advice can I give these, you know, listeners? Uh, and that is, if you're not prepared, you know, for change, then uh, rethink this industry. It may not be for you. Right. Right. But I think, you know, the, the, this is, um, back in 1937, uh, popular mechanics predicted that cannabis would be a billion-dollar industry. Little did they know at that point that it would be um, 80 years from then before... Um, that prediction would be realized. It's unreal, isn't it? I uh, believe I read, and uh, uh, it would be 6.4 billion year 2018, and all the states that have a, have passed medical marijuana uh, laws, and in the state of California alone, I believe it was 1.4, 1.9 billion of that 6.4. Wow. So it goes to show how everything is broken up, and these are just sales based on, you know, their history, <laughs> the last four or five years. Right, which was, you know, strictly medical until this year. Until this upcoming year. Now right. You can only imagine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely um, a land of opportunity um, in, in terms of, 
you know, it, how, how often do we get new industries like this? I mean, I, the last that I can remember would be the Silicon Valley um, boom. And prior to that, maybe cell phones. But, you know, how often do we have... Um, <laughs> You know, I didn't think to compare that. I like that. I'm going to use that. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, yeah, if you think about it, this is a whole new um, industry that's, that's basically, you know, aside from the state regulations, of course, um, the, there's so much um, transformation happening within the industry and people having to sort of write the playbook as they go along. And... I mean, I know that standards are being written and, and there's like a whole cooperative of international um, minds, you know, going to work in a think tank right. on, on all of the standards and, you know, the, every state has its own regulations. So, of course, you know, all the, all the different um, varieties and, I mean, there's, there's just so much to be done yet. Um, to, you know, keep product yeah. consistent across state lines and that sort of thing. I mean, how much, how much input do you get as a cultivator from uh, other cultivators in other states? I mean, do you, do you spend much time discussing things between, you know, across state lines? Um, as far as data, product, or uh, what do you mean? Well, like, you know... <sighs> Obviously, um, you can't like send things off uh, across state lines. Like if there's a certain um, a certain variety of the plant, oh no, yeah, you know, no, that so, you can't cross state line at all. Right. So, so if you wanted to um, be able to produce a certain strain or or a variety that's been or you know clone something that's working for patients in. Uh, Colorado, I mean, do you, is there, is there a competitive feel between growers in different states or do you, is, is there well, collaboration? Uh, sure. There's, there's a, you know, competition is good. And if there's good medicine out there in Colorado and you can bet that California is also going to have good medicine that's going to be able to help people, um, maybe even better than the one in Colorado. So, it you know just depends on the grower and and the science behind it. But I know in the state of Nevada, our grower is very good and and we have great products that can help you know and everybody, even probably the kids and families out in Colorado. So if they were to come to Nevada, probably wouldn't be the same thing, but it would be uh, something very much equivalent, if not better. Right. And the same in California. It depends on, you know, the science behind it and everything that goes into it. So yeah, I guess like what I was art. getting at is, um, you know, if there's something that... Because right now they're, they're starting to find that certain varieties work better for certain conditions, yes. for example. And, you know, I was just really curious because um, I don't get an opportunity to speak to cultivators that often on this show um, so I'm I'm actually really curious because I just simply don't know. You know how much collaboration is there if you hear of a of a certain variety that's working for a certain condition in another state. You know how how often cultivators talk to one another and share their insights and knowledge about these things. But you, do you think it's more competitive than it is friendly in that way? Or you know it, I I can see that absolutely. But when it comes to helping people. I know that we're very open and communicative to, you know, other growers in states where, you know, they're helping people. And if they're good people, then they're going to want to share things with you to be able to, you know, help change the world in a positive way. Yeah. And it just depends on, on the individual at that point. But uh, we're very open to always helping, you know, everyone. Obviously, yes, it's a competitive industry, but I believe that if you, you know, help others and it's automatic and everything would be successful. Yeah. Well, that's something that I really love about this industry is that most of the people that I speak with who are in the industry, and I speak to quite a few, as you can imagine, yeah. are really <laughs> in it for the right reasons. And I mean, I don't think that the, the cannabis industry has um, come anywhere near the level of 
corruption you might find in some other industries where you've got you know giant players eating up um, you know family-owned businesses and you know think uh, Barnes and Noble and the the family bookseller. <laughs> yeah. Um, not that not that I'm saying that Barnes and Noble has any corruption in them, but I'm just saying in general. You know, some industries when they get so big, um, you s people start to lose sight of why they're in it. And this industry, it just I think you're absolutely right there that you know people come into this with the idea that they're they're doing this because they believe it's going to help people and because it's the right thing to do. <laughs> right. And, and you know, I think that if none of us lose focus and uh, keep doing, you know, what it, I can speak for myself, and I, I keep doing what I'm doing, uh, look what happened yesterday. The state of California agreed to uh, give me the same licenses so that I can do exactly what I'm doing in Nevada in the state of California. And I plan to do exactly that and help as many people as I can. And yes, when we go recreational, be able to, to help uh, the demand of uh, recreational use as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that, um, you know, one thing that's important to keep in mind too, because uh, when you're talking about the stigma of recreational versus medical and the resistance that we get from lawmakers and that sort of thing, Recreational really, and I've kind of gotten away from calling it that, um, but it, it really opens the doors for people who um, can't afford because of their careers or their, you know, whatever they might be afraid of. They, they really don't want to have their name on a license associated with something that is federally illegal. And um, the best example I can think of are people who are in the military who suffer from PTSD who, who really cannot go and get a medical license because that would right. disqualify them from going to work ever. <laughs> and yeah. it, so I, I think the one benefit of opening these laws up to include adult use without some kind of licensure um, really is that is to make it more available for anyone who needs it at any time. Right. Any adult who needs it anyway at any time. Right. No, I agree with you. And I think if, uh, if there's people like you and me out there, then we're going to be just fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we just have to keep talking about it. And, Absolutely. And, and, you know, I mean, it's so important. And we're, we're really out there right now. We're, we're in a lot of states that haven't started regulating yet. So I think it is. It's so important just to just to keep talking about it, you know. But I'm I'm super impressed with what you've done, and I congratulate you on the on expanding into California now. Oh my God! Thank you so much uh, for uh, for your warm thoughts, and um, like I said, we we're here just to be able to do what we can and um, try and help as many people as we possibly can. Yeah, oh, and, and no doubt it will. No doubt it will. How many licenses did they give out this year in Los Angeles? Well, uh, these are the first licenses ever in Los Angeles for cultivation and production, and they gave out, uh, they approved 13, but not all 13 are for cultivation and production. Some are just strictly for production. Some are just for distribution, so... Um, I'd have to get you that number, but not very many, I'll tell you that. And I'm the only woman, <laughs> apparently, is what I keep reading everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have a, a show coming up um, with the executive director of Women Grow. Um, oh, Women Grow, yeah. Yeah, in, in August, um, August 22nd, I think, we'll be recording. And um, I'm kind of excited to talk about that topic because, I mean, we've we've talked about women in this business before but do you do you think that um do you think it's more difficult for women to enter this business you know i think it's difficult for women in general in any business mm -hmm. and um if they know that then this this shouldn't phase them at all that they should continue working actively strongly and aggressively
Um, and uh, just have in mind that every business is difficult. You know, especially take it from me. I am a woman and I'm young and I'm uh, Hispanic. So I know that in general I was going to have to work 10 times hard. And I did that. I never looked back. Uh, I didn't feel bad for myself. I just knew I had to do it. Yeah. Well, you know what? That's It's important um, to just keep uh, forging ahead no matter what. I'm sure a lot of people could learn a lot from you in, oh, thank you. you know, with what you've accomplished. It's, it's pretty outstanding. So <laughs> thank oh. you so much. I'm flattered. I'm, I'm very uh, happy and, and uh, emotional to know that, you know, people see all the, the hard work that I've, I've put into all of this and can, you know, gets appreciated. I, thank you very much. Oh, well, you don't have to thank me for that. I mean, it's just true. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, I think um, we have a couple minutes here. Um, are, are there, I want to I talk a little bit. Your, the name of your company is? My Nevada company oh. is Premium Produce. Premium Produce, okay. And my California company is Cali Premium Produce. <laughs> okay, so you actually had to have two separate companies for this. Correct. Wow. So not one company can own across state lines? Is that the Correct. reason? I right. didn't know See, that. these licenses are, yeah, the Nevada license is for the state of Nevada. California would be for the state of California. Right, but, but they can't be owned by the same company, theoretically. Um, they they could be, but it's a lot easier just to incorporate in the state. And much, right. Um, yeah, that's you what know, you're that's buying what for the licenses. Yes. Okay. Okay. Great. And then and then when you produce things, will you have a brand that will be um, part of the label of the products that you're producing for sale in dispensaries? Oh, yes, we will. Uh, we'll actually be able to bring the brand, uh, you know, from Nevada to California. It's so funny you say this, but as you know, my name is Priscilla Vilchez. Uh, we plan on coming up with, and you'll hear about this in the state of Nevada and in California, but it's going to be Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> so we're excited to be able to bring that brand over to California very soon. Oh, that that sounds great. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I kind of remember this bus yeah. um, when I think of that. But anyway, that was a great movie, too, I think. Uh, was it called Priscilla? Yeah, it was, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. It was Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. That's great. Well, uh, that's going to be fantastic for you. So, well, thank last, you very much. Uh, you're welcome. Um, last thoughts. Um what would you most like people to take away um, today from this conversation or anything? What's, uh, what would be your parting thoughts for the people listening? Well, um, I would hope that there are a lot of people listening that are not too familiar with the industry. And after hearing our discussion, yours and mine, um, they are now open to the idea and, uh, uh, open to the idea that marijuana does indeed help people. Uh, they're CBD and THC, and they're two distinct different things for for different, uh, you know, people, people in pain. And then there's uh, THC for people who want to enjoy uh, a euphoria sense. So I, I would love for everyone to be educated before, you know, being so strong on their opinion, uh, especially if it's negative. I would love for them to... Um, reach out and become more familiar with their community and um, kind of let them know uh, and educate them the way we've been doing today. Yeah. Well, I think that's sound, sound advice. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, hopefully, um, hopefully this will inspire some policy change too, especially in, in those areas that haven't yet uh, been fortunate enough to pass medical marijuana laws. So, right. And, you know, I think that's a goal for all of us, really, because I, I just cannot, I, I, it's very difficult for me to think of children who are suffering in states that just don't allow um, the use of medical marijuana 
when they don't have to be suffering. And, you know, it's compassionate care, really. So. Right. Aw. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for, um, for joining me today. No, thank you for having me. And uh, you can invite us on anytime you'd like. Oh, well. We'd be uh, delighted. I would love to follow up with you once you get your facility open in California and just to sure. catch up and do a, a status report of how you're doing. Um, and I'll definitely follow. And, uh, you know, feel free to keep in touch and, you know, send me anything you like. Um, any kind of news and that sort of thing so um we will definitely all right well uh it's time for us to say goodbye another episode coming to a close so i'd like to personally thank my guest priscilla vilches for sharing her insights and knowledge with us today if you'd like to learn more about premium produce and other work she's doing Please visit us online at thecannabisreporter.com and click broadcast to find today's episode. I'll post her bio and a link to her website there. I'd like to express our gratitude for our radio sponsors, hempmeds.com and Healthera. We could not be doing this without you. I'd also like to thank Dr. Brian Donner of Compassionate Certification Centers for our Medical Marijuana Minute update, Eric Goodall for the theme song Evergreen, and our engineers here at star worldwide networks sedona for producing our show today and for making us shine and last but not least thanks to all of you for listening around the nation on xrqk radio network and airtime america tune in again next week same time same place for another episode of the cannabis reporter radio show until we meet again stay safe stay informed Share what you've learned and make it a great day. Evergreen is calling, evergreen is always where I feel fine. The blues blue falling, sheets made forever across the great divide. Are you getting enough CBD each day? HempMeds carries the most trusted CBD oil brands like Real Scientific Hemp Oil and Dixie Botanicals to make it easy to add cannabinoids like CBD to your diet. We hold all our hemp oil products to our rigorous triple lab tested standard to ensure that you and your family receive only the highest quality and most reliable CBD products. HempMeds is your trusted source for CBD. Visit HempMeds.com to get our premium CBD oil today. Use discount code CBD20 to get 20% off your first order. You're busy running around from work to kids to evening events. Healthcare shouldn't be adding to your daily running around. Simplify your healthcare with Helterra for only $15 per month per individual or $18 per month per family with up to nine kids. By the way, you can eliminate doctor office visits with 24/7 access to doctors via phone, video, or the mobile app. Not only do you get prescriptions filled over the phone, but save up to 85% on those prescriptions. This is a supplemental plan and not insurance. Healthcare made easy. Helterra.com.